0: How are we doing, family? Doing all right? And let's give it up for the worship team, man. This is unbelievable, man. I'll tell you, I've been trying to join the worship team for the last few years, man. They don't, they don't let me on the, uh, on the roster. I play my little conga drums. They, they said, no, we ain't, we ain't, we're not looking for congas. Uh, man, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Eddie, and uh, I get the great privilege of serving here uh, as a pastor and uh, if you don't know, this is uh, one church, uh, four locations, meeting throughout Central Florida with one mission statement, and that's to reach and to connect, to reach people where they are and to connect them to everything that God has for their life. Could we give it up for everybody watching online, family? i tell you, man, I get excited every time I, I get the privilege of, of coming up here in an effort to, to make much of, of my King Jesus. And, and before I put this baby in gear, I just want to honor uh, some people in the room, and uh, uh, someone is not in the room right now, but I still want to honor him, and it's our lead pastor, Pastor Justin. Uh, I tell you, uh, his commitment and his drive to seeing people reached and connected, fulfilling the great commission, I, I, I don't only see him and honor him as my lead pastor, uh, but I, I get to call him a friend, and uh, Pastor Justin, I love you till the wheels fall off, man. Let's give uh, God praise for Pastor Justin. I also want to honor my beautiful wife, Nelson of 21 years. Man, I can't even look at her, baby. I, I, hey, I got to stay focused. But I, I tell you, man, the Bible says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. And I really believe that's a poor translation because when I found Nelson, I found a great thing. And I, I put a picture, man, 21 years, man, 21 years ago. Look at this. Look at this, man. had just turned 20. Give me the other picture. Give me the next picture. But remember, we didn't have the good quality iPhone 13. This was the Kodak. This was the Kodak. Look at that handsome young man with the fake watch on. I had a fake watch back then, man. Look at. But what a week this was, man. What a week this was. Because we got married on March 11th. And on March 15th, I'm catching a flight to Atlanta, Georgia, boarding a bus to go to Fort Benning, Georgia, for, for basic training, talk about a honeymoon. And so what a week, what a memorable week this was. And what a honeymoon, right? Like, like talk about a honeymoon four days after. I'm getting deployed or I'm, I'm going into the military. And, and right when you get there, right, the drill sergeant comes in and, man, he's harassing you from day one, right? He's, get off my bus. And, and they start already equipping you and getting you ready and getting your mindset right for what lies ahead. Then you go to advanced individual training. I think I was there for about 25 weeks. Uh, that was in uh, Fort Gordon, Georgia. And they they start training you on your job description, on your MOS, and teaching you how to do all these different things. And then from there I went to airborne school three weeks on, on learning how to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, right? And then, and then you go, then you go to your duty station and you think that the training is done, but no, it's really just beginning. And then you're playing war games. I was attached to the first of the 509th, and we, 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 we jumped out of airplanes, and there was this little uh, aircraft called the COPE, and we would, we would actually uh, make up, like, war. And, and, and right before somebody would get deployed, the battalions would get deployed, they would come and get training and get equipped for what lies ahead, which was war. And I'm talking about we had all the bells and whistles. And so there was this little uh, plane. It was a single, single propeller plane, And and, and I'm a big boy, man. My my call sign was heavy drop. I used to be the last one out, first one to the ground. But they were were equipping us. They were getting us ready for what lies ahead. And for the time that I have with us today, the 33 minutes that I have with us, I want to equip us. I want to get us ready. I want to get us ready. And this is the overall uh, takeaway. Write this down. Pain and adversity are tied to purpose. Purpose. See, pain and adversity lies ahead for all of us because pain and adversity are tied to purpose. And I want to equip us and get us ready in two areas, the mind and the heart. Why? Because the mind and the heart are subject to illness and brokenness. And when you're facing trials, when you're facing pain and adversity, which are tied to your purpose and and tied to my purpose, there's wear and tear. And so it's so important that we constantly monitor and address the condition of the mind and the heart. Again, they're both subject to brokenness and illness. And I want to go into the Old Testament. Second Kings 5. And we're introduced to a man named Naaman. And Naaman has an issue. And I believe some of us have an issue. And it's okay because we're not perfect people. And so again, when we walk and we navigate through seasons of pain and hardship, wear and tear here, wear and tear here, brokenness, an illness, And we're going to look at Naaman, and we're going to look at his healing journey, and we're going to read some, some Bible here today. The Bible, it prescribes and it also describes, and we're going to uh, really look into this book and the story of, of Elijah, the prophet. God spoke through prophets back then. Elijah was the successor of Elijah. So after 10 years of being under his leadership, he now is given the mantle, given a double portion, so seven manifestations of God through Elijah and First Kings. And now we see one of the 14 in 2 Kings. So if you have your Bible, please turn to 2 Kings 5 with that filter of looking at our mind and our heart, wanting to experience wholeness and wellness so that we're ready for pain and adversity that is tied to our purpose. And we're going to take it up in verse 1. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So he had impact. He had influence. He had success. Many of us, we have impact, we have influence, we have success, but we're broken. The Bible says, but he had something. He had leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king of what the young girl had said, go and visit the prophet, the king of Abram had said. I will send a letter of introduction for you and take, so you could take it to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. We're tracking so far? You still with me? All right, all right, here we go. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes, in dismay and this man said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. There's some things. There's some brokenness. There's some illness. There's some deficiencies here and here. That man cannot fix. That man cannot fix. Let me, let me keep it moving. Here, here it is. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent the message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there's a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent the messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and Abana and the Fafar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away in rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir... The prophet had told you to do something very difficult. Wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. I believe that we could look at this story of Naaman. And the man of God, Elijah... Who gives instruct, uh, instruction to, to Naaman, and that we could pull from these verses and seeing the healing process that Naaman went through? I believe that we can have a few points that I believe God gave me for you today. And the first is that we have to take off the armor in front of the right people. Yeah. Naaman's healing process did not begin until he took off the armor. Yeah. And, and it's so important. That we have a a place where we could be vulnerable and transparent. The Bible says there's healing in confession. And that's why every single week, somebody, either myself or a location pastor at another location, will come up here and and will give next steps, encouraging you to join Action Steps and joining a small group. Why? Because it's true life change and true healing happens within the context of relationships. And, and when you're not doing okay, you got to be able to say, I'm not doing okay. I'm not doing right here. I'm not thinking right. I'm not doing right. I'm broken. I'm hurting. And so it's so important that we have a place where we can take off the armor. His healing process began when he took off the armor. The second thing that we could pull from 2 Kings 5 is we got to see what God says about it. Write that down. we got to see what God says about it. God gave instruction through Elijah. Look at this. Look at this. Elijah sent a messenger to him. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. There was direction that was given. And make no mistake about it, that God is still providing instruction. And he's providing instruction through his word. Last time I spoke, I spoke about the validity of the Bible. And and how it is all God-breathed and it's infallible. And God gives us instruction. He gives us and he talks about this and he talks about this. Proverbs 23, he says, for as he thinks in his heart, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's not just gender specific. That's talking about humanity. That it's so important to know that our belief system, if you have a twisted and, 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 and broken belief system, That your actions that you take from this broken belief system will produce results that are broken. And these broken results will further enhance that broken belief system. So he says, hey, as you think, that's the direction in which you go. He talks about it. He also talks about not just allowing anything to come into your mind. Not just allowing anything to come into your heart. He says, don't copy the behaviors and the patterns of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Amen. Amen. You with me? She's with me? She's with me? By changing the way you think. Then You can't just allow anything in there. It's like a sponge. It's like a filter. And navigating seasons of pain and adversity which are tied to our purpose. There's wear and there's tear. And so we got to be mindful of that. He also talks about the heart. That from this place, he says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life, that all the very issues that we encounter when we're walking through seasons of pain and adversity, which are tied to our purpose, that it flows through the heart. And so he talks about it. He talks about extending forgiveness. He talks about not allowing offense to to, to creep in our heart. He talks about jealousy. He talks about our mindset and that we should be focused on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We got to be vulnerable. Finding a place where we can take off the armor in front of the right people. We got to see what God says about it. And then we can't become frustrated when his direction doesn't line up with our logic. Okay? Okay? My man Naaman, he gets upset. He thinks he knew, He thought he knew better. Watch this right here. Watch this right here. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. He thought he knew better. Before, though, we get on my man Naaman, I know for myself, sometimes when God prescribes his word and gives direction in my life, if I'm not careful, my logic and my own limited understanding could get in the way. And now I become frustrated when his word doesn't line up with my logic, just like my man Naaman. But that's why the book, the Bible and the book of Proverbs says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You got a finite mind. You got a limited understanding. You don't see it all. And so what he's saying is, hey, I'm giving you instruction and and, and I can do what I want to do. And this is going to benefit you. Why? Because I see it all. I see the beginning from the end. And that's why he says, my thoughts and my ways, they're not like your thoughts and your ways. As far as the heaven is from the earth, so is the distance between my ways and my thoughts from yours. And so we we, we can't become frustrated when, when he says you're blessed, when he says you're favored, when he says you're the head and not the tail, but when you look at the circumstance, when you look at the, the doctor's report, it says, oh, you're healed, but the doctor's report says this, and now what happens? Your logic gets in the way. And so we got to be vulnerable, transparent, taking off the, the armor so that we can find true healing so that healing process can begin. we got to see what God says about it. We can't become frustrated by allowing our logic to get in the way, and then we got to do what he says to do. This is simple. I'm a simple man here. a simple man. Four four quick things to ensure, again, heart health and mental health so that you're ready to endure the seasons of pain and adversity which are tied to our purpose. And so we got to see, we got to do what he says to do. There was blessing once he was obedient. And there's always blessing on the other side of obedience. Watch this. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And so now there's blessing on account of it. And God throughout scripture talks about that. He says, hey, he tells Solomon, if you listen to my decrees and my commands, just like your father did, he says, I'm going to give you a long life. Jesus talks about it. He says, hey, those who hear my word and follow it, apply it. The Bible says faith without action is what? Dead. Dead. He says, he, says, he says, if you listen to it and then do what I'm telling you to do, you're going to be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. That when the pain, when the adversity come, which are tied to our purpose come, that it won't collapse. Right? Does that make sense, family? And so we got to just be obedient. So if he says pray, I'm going to pray for him. He said, hey, forgive him. Yeah, but God, you don't understand what they did to me. I know. I understand. I see it all. I know it. I'm just going to do it. Why? Because there's blessing on the other side of obedience. The, the, Jesus even says this. I didn't share this first service. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. This is, this is for somebody right here. Watch this. The more you get to know him, the more you're going to love him and keep his commands. Because obedience flows from identity. Oh, man. Yeah, I would have clap there, too. If Pastor Justin was here, and I was up, oh, man, you hey. Stop. Stop. These four things, these four simple things, I'm telling you right now, family, I really believe, I really believe that you would really apply this, really finding a, a, a safe place, a vulnerable place to take off the mask and say when you're not doing right and you're not, you're not thinking right or you're not feeling right, people that are going to point you back to the, to the, to the, to the word of God. People who aren't just going to tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Good community. Circle. Finding your circle. But then seeing what God says about it. That you should be in his word and seeing what he instructs. This is the most reliable source of information we have to us available as human beings. And then we can't allow our logic to get in the way. And then doing this. And this came to me in a hospital room just a couple weeks ago. Knowing that when I was facing, which I still am, a season of pain and adversity, that it's so important to have this right and well and whole and ready and to have this the same. And, and, and this was birth in a, in a season where my daughter Catherine, my daughter Catherine, she's here right now, yeah, has a relapse in February. Stage four kidney failure, man, we, we knew something was wrong. And uh, we rush into the hospital and uh, she's in critical condition. And uh, as I mentioned, there's wear and tear here and here when pain and adversity, which is tied to our purpose, come our way. And just like that, we're, we're finding ourselves having to make decisions in surgery and, and just trying to stabilize what, what was happening. And, 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 and I, I recognize how important it is to have the, the right mind and the right heart for what lies ahead. And there was a couple of things, though, that That came to my mind in the hospital room that I've come to know in a season of pain and adversity, which were tied to my purpose. And I want to share these four things. So the importance of, in preparation of, and then four things that you need to know as you're navigating seasons of pain and adversity, which are tied to your purpose. And the first is we have to know that pain blinds. Pain blinds. Pain never comes at a convenient time. Never comes at a, at, at, at a convenient time. And we got to know in advance that it blinds us, that it hits us in the face. It was all good just a week ago. And then just like that, pain and adversity. And we got to know that pain blinds us. That's why we have to develop a pain plan before the pain comes. Yeah. So I already got to know what I'm not going to do. Yeah. I got to know that I'm not going to pick up the pill bottle. Yeah. Can I be real? You got to know this. Because that's going to be the easy thing to do. You got to know you're not going to pick up the alcohol bottle. You got to already know that in advance. Because pain blinds. You got to know that you're not going to pick up the phone and call that toxic relationship. That may give you a a, a sense of fulfillment and, and satisfaction for only a night. But only leads to death in the morning. You got to know what not to do. Conversely and equally important, you got to know what to do. And I look at two key figures uh, in the Bible. One is the central figure of our faith. But I see Job. Job. Talk about pain. Talk about adversity, which was tied to his purpose. Loses it all. Chapter 1. That's a chapter full of pain. Loses 10 of his babies. 10 of his children. And what's his response? He gets on his knees. And he worships. God, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now look at Jesus in the garden. He's about to endure the the scorn and the pain of the cross. He knew what was coming. And he's in anguish. And he's in pain. And he's facing already adversity, knowing what's, what's to come. And he goes into isolation in the garden. His friends, when you sometimes walk through a pain of or a season of pain and adversity, sometimes your friends may mean well, but but, but maybe they're not going to be there because they're not God. They have their own lives as well. But look at what Jesus does. He goes to the Father in isolation, and he prays. He says, if, this is, hey, if you can take it from me, but God, if this is your will, then let your will be done. And just like that, he was able to get courage. He was able to get strength To endure the season of pain and adversity. And I know this much. When when pain and adversity knocks on my door, I default. I default to the praying and worshiping. And just like that, there's a shift that happens here. And there's a shift that happens here. So now you're ready to face the seasons of pain and adversity which are tied to your purpose. We got to know that pain blinds. We also have to know that he always shows up. Write that down. We got to know this when we're in seasons of pain and adversity which are tied to your purpose. You got to know this. There's a, uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, man. My dad used to play the bass. I was eight years old and they used to be running around and whatnot. And, and it, they used to always say, and I, the, the first part, I don't think it's even theologically uh, uh, correct, but it sounds good. He said, he said, they, said uh, they used to say, he may not be there when you want him to be, but he's always on time. And the reality is this, he always shows up. And that part of it, That is true. And he shows up in comfort. He shows up in peace. He shows up in his people. And I experience that. Again, I'm still walking in the pain. I'm still walking in the adversity. But I already see how it's tied to my purpose. I'm here speaking of it. That just maybe somebody would be encouraged and and, and given a little bit of hope and a little bit of practical things that they could do so that when you face your season of pain, your season of adversity, which is tied to your purpose, that you know what to do, that you know what to do. And you got to know that he always shows up. And I saw this. I had to come here. She had just had her surgery. And I came up here and I was a wreck, man, in the front row, a wreck during worship, really expecting God for a miracle. And I come up here and I do the host announcements and welcome all the first time guests. And and I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go. So I finish third service, and I go into my office, and Herman, uh, really a confidant of mine and, and serves here faithfully every single week with his family, he said, hey, there's some people that want to see you. And I love people, man. I, I, love, I love you guys, man. I, I really, I feel called to people, man. And I said, but, but Herman, not right now, but I, I got to go to the hospital, you know? And he says, all right, I'll tell Bill and Quay. I said, "What, well, Bill and Quay? I said, you know what? They, they, I, I realized, recognized that they had uh, moved to, to the Northeast. So they were down here just for the week, and I said, "Let, me, let me, come, come on, bring them in. And, and I met with them, and they said, hey, pastor, we boarded a flight last night uh, in a blizzard to come here because God told us to come here and give this to you for your baby. And, and it was a quilt. It was a quilt. And she says that two years ago, when, when my daughter had an initial relapse, the Holy Spirit told her to begin to knit a quilt wow. and that he would tell her when to give it to me. Within that two-year span, they relocate up north. Holy Spirit prompted them to come down here and give that. And so I'm like, man, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God shows up. And I'm driving to the hospital, and the Holy Spirit puts on my heart. He says, I don't need you to be her father. I need you to be her pastor. I come back over here. I grab communion elements. I grab my Bible. And now I'm going to the, the hospital to be by her bedside with a different approach, a different mindset. And we, we, we break open the communion elements, and I begin to remind her that, that by his stripes, she's healed, and, and don't lose the faith, baby, and, and if he's faithful. And, and we have this moment, and I put the, the quilt over her. I show her, look at this. Look how beautiful. And, and I have an impression on my heart to call Patty. Patty, where they're, they're on the front row right here. And, and, and my daughter, Catherine, Loves Patty and Butch so much. When, when, when Butch was in the hospital with COVID, they said he wasn't going to live. And even if he was to live, he would be completely blind. He would be disabled. He would never walk. And, and I remember my, my baby, she would be praying for him. We would pray for him. Pray for you, my brother. Praying. And so he, he, he puts Patty on my heart. I don't have her number. I, I find not like, and I called her. I just wanted to be obedient. It was that, it was that heavy on my heart. And I called her up on speaker for I said, Patty, you know, I'm here with Catherine on the bed, up by the bed. And she says, I've been praying for you guys. And she said, Put put the picture up real fast. Put the picture up. You know what she said? She said, God would tell me to tell you, Catherine, that He's going to knit your kidneys back together again. Oh. He always shows up. The Bible says that he's a refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help. And real quick, I didn't say this first service. If you are not currently in a season of pain and adversity, which is tied to your purpose, look to be the people that God moves in so he can show up in and through you. We got to know he shows up. I only got 10 minutes here. I only got 10 minutes here. We also got to know that he understands. We got to know that he understands. Family. Family. People may mean well. And yes, God puts people in our life to to, to help us mourn and and to to help us along the journey of life. And as a pastor, man, I'll walk people through the hardest of hardest. Like suicide and death and and drug addiction and Baker acts and like all this. And I break with people. Like I hurt. But if I'm honest, when I go home, and yeah, maybe we'll pray in our family devotional time every Monday night for the people. Maybe by Wednesday, though, if I'm being real, I may either forget, or I'm not as as strong in terms of my faith or intercession for you. Why? Because I have my own problems, my own pain, my own adversity. And people may mean well. They may mean well, but... They may not fully understand and maybe they could relate, but when you're walking, your season of, of pain and adversity, which is tied to your purpose, people aren't gonna fully understand. But I need you to hear that God does. God does. And I'm driving home, I'm driving, man, I'm mad. 14 days, Nelson's sitting on, a, on a, a, and sleeping on a chair. I'm saying, baby, you gotta come home. I said, you got the other three babies in the, in the house. You got, you got to come home. She says, I'm not leaving my baby's side. And, and I'm, I'm mad. I'm driving. I said, God, I, you don't, nobody understands what we're going through, the pain. And it reminded me of him looking down at his son on the cross. And Jesus on the cross, enduring pain and adversity, which was tied to his purpose, He understands. Look at this right here. Look at this. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You need to know that he understands, family. And the last thing, the last point, last point, family. Again, you got to know this. you got to know this. you got to know this. you got to know that our purpose is on the other side of our pain. And that's been the overarching thing. It's what I started with, and that's what I'm going to end with. Again, on the other side, well, it's currently still, that on the other side of this pain and adversity, it's tied to my purpose where I'm here giving just a little something that maybe this might help you. When you face your season of pain and you, you face your season of adversity, which is tied to your purpose. And there's no better demonstration of purpose being on the other side of pain and adversity than when Jesus is on the cross. And God showed me something so special this morning, and I want to share it. And I want to just take this up right here. I want, I, let's dial in, please. Let's, let's dial in right here. Take it up at chapter 23, verse 32. It says Jesus now on the cross. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. The criminals were also crucified, one on the right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. If he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one, soldiers mocked him by offering him a drink and sour wine. They called out to him, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. The sign was fastened above with these words This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, Sir, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me. In paradise. On the other side. Of his pain. And adversity. There was salvation. For you and for me. And this is a a clear picture of it. Acknowledging who you are. And what you are a sinner. That apart from Christ. That you have to pay the penalty of sin. Which is death acknowledging who you are acknowledging who he is accepting that fact and now salvation is ours to all who believe but this morning at 5 a.m i'm praying i'm preparing like god man use me today god you know if you don't show up man i you know with my add and all god like i i can't do this without you man that just maybe you would open up the hearts of your people and that you would you would you would you would speak through me god and people would receive and i read that again and he showed me something profound and not only do you get salvation which was on the other side of his pain and adversity but he showed me that you get healing and that you get power you see healing healing here And healing here that he's the great physician he showed me this morning. That the brokenness, maybe from your past, maybe from your results that have formed a a conclusion in your mind, that has formed a belief system in your mind of who you are, that he's come to heal that in the name of Jesus. Maybe in your heart you've experienced the, 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 the hardship of life. That puts wear and tear the brokenness, and people have hurt you and abused you. He's a comforter and he's a healer, the great physician. And then the power that comes on the other side of his pain and adversity this is what he showed me, family. The same power that allowed him to sustain the pain and adversity on the cross. When we accept him, we accept the Holy Spirit in our lives, which will allow us to endure the seasons of pain and adversity, which is tied to our purpose. And this is what he showed me. There are crosses that you're called to hang on that you can't hang on absent of his power. And when we do it in our own strength, with willpower, we will abandon the very calling Because, again, there's purpose on the other side of our pain and our adversity. That's what I want to offer you today. I want to offer you an opportunity. Two criminals, one chose him, one rejected him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you the opportunity to accept the free gift of Jesus. See, salvation is given to us by grace, activated by faith, that God so loved you. He saw you in your brokenness. He saw you with your own leprosy, if you would, but moved by compassion, he would send his son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him all would be saved. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Acknowledging that you're a sinner. Acknowledging that you're broken. In need of a healer. In need of a savior. That this is your moment right now. Where you pick up your cross. And you follow him. But by picking up your cross and following him, now you're given the power to endure the seasons of pain and adversity, which are tied to your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in here and you want to place your faith in this Jesus, or maybe you, you, you raised your hand in the past, you've walked an hour, you've accepted him before, but maybe you've come off of crosses that God had called you to hang on. And now today is a day of recommitment. And say, God, no, I put you back at the center of my life. And so if that's you in here right now as a sign of faith, raise your hand right where you're at so I can pray for you. Thank God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. This is your, this is your day of salvation. This is your moment from death to life, from brokenness to healing. Is there anyone else that wants to accept, God bless you. Yes, I see you. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God bless you. You can put down your hands. Say a prayer like this out loud or in your heart as I say it out loud. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for seeing me and saving me and rescuing me. I profess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I acknowledge that I'm broken in need of a healer. I acknowledge that I'm weak in need of strength. So come into my life. Take lordship, I pick up my cross, and I follow you, Jesus. And I pray for everybody else in this room, God, that you would continue to remind them of the no's, that that you understand that that they have to develop a plan, God, that, that, that you're with them, that you understand, and that the purpose is on the other side of their pain and adversity, God, that we would be the people that you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for those decisions.